All right, so it was a big week. The Steelers played Monday because of the delay in Buffalo with the bad weather. They lost to the Bills, another playoff exit uh, by two touchdowns. Now uh, seven straight years without a playoff win. Mike Tomlin stormed out of a press conference. Then he came back and he did a mea culpa at his press conference yesterday and got into a lot of things about the Steelers' future, including what's next with the offensive coordinator. It's going to be an outside guy. Kenny Pickett will enter next year's quarterback one. And that still leaves a lot of unanswered questions. And oh, by the way, Art Rooney told the Post-Gazette that Mike will get an extension this offseason. So that's where we are wrapping up this week. We want to do it with you today. We're live at Bowser, Andrew Filipponi, Chris Muller sitting across from me. Donnie Football is back at Mission Control. And we'll take some phone calls here at 412-928-9370 because we've been jammed the last two days. So I want to give people a chance to really talk about whatever the biggest Steelers thought is on their mind, whether that's still something lingering from the game, whether it's something with Tomlin, whether it's something that's hanging out there for next year. All those things are there for you at 412-928-9370. I'll start, and then I'll let you guys react to what I have to say and also give some of your takes. Chris, we've got four playoff games this weekend. One of them is going to be in Detroit on Sunday. In the quarterback matchup for that game are two guys that were resurrected. Jared Goff, who got thrown into the Matt Stafford deal, primarily because the Rams needed the Lions to take that contract to get Stafford onto their team. And they, it wasn't like Detroit wanted Goff. They wanted the picks. They wanted the first-round picks. And Goff was seen, I think, by them as, we'll just see how it goes with him, and then eventually we'll draft his replacement or bring somebody else in. Well, lo and behold, instead, he's the guy that ends their 20-year drought of or 30-year drought in the playoffs and beats their old franchise quarterback, Matt Stafford. And he's going to go against Baker Mayfield, which is just hilarious. The Browns fans, I think, felt like they had a good season, but I'm picturing for them it can't be fun that the guy that they dumped for Deshaun Watson is playing a week after they were eliminated 45-14. to 14. So that is, an, that is a big reason why I will be rooting for Baker Mayfield against the feel-good story of the playoffs, the Lions. But I don't want to make – my point here is not about that game. It's about the two quarterbacks and what needed to happen for both of them to find success. And the more I think about the situation now with Kenny Pickett, I believe that that's what needs to happen for him. I don't have a good feeling that it's going to work here with him next year. And I say that as a guy that has been one of his uh, biggest defenders and biggest fans. I just don't like – even though he got the, quote, vote of confidence – from Tomlin yesterday, end quote. I just don't really like the situation for him next year as far as like him developing into a good quarterback for this team because it's going to be with the new offensive coordinator and it's also going to come with what Tomlin said, competition, which there should be. There should be a lot of it. He, there's a very good argument for him to not even be the quarterback. But it just sounds a lot to me like the thing we endured two years ago at Trubisky. Like, at any mistake that he makes, if he has a bad game, aren't you going to want to see what the other quarterback behind him on the depth chart looks like? Yes. Yeah, especially if it's Rudolph. I mean, if it's Mason, it's not going to really take much at all. It, it, it's exactly like it was two years ago where there's chance for the other guys at, for the other guy at games. So I don't think that that's a situation that breeds success for him. Tomlin tried to give us the iron sharpens iron routine yesterday. The offensive coordinator they hire could be good. 
There could also be a transition period there, Chris. I don't know. I really feel like for Kenny, it's just not in the cards for him here. And maybe if he were to go to like a Miami or a San Francisco or something like that, he could sit for a year, go in as an injury guy, and eventually have you know, success in his career as a starting quarterback. But I think it's going to take something like what we've seen from Goff or Mayfield in order for him to reach his potential in the NFL. Okay. I hate to make that, that. That probably sounds overly dramatic and a little bit pessimistic, but that's just what, like, those are the things that have been, I, I've been stewing on and thinking about here uh, since we left yesterday's show. Donnie, I'm going to give you a rare chance here. I want you to go second. I want you to be the first responder to Pony. Uh, I'll respond after that. And then I might even tell you that you can fire off your biggest uh, thought that's been brewing. So I want you to go first here, buddy. Well, I mean, whenever you look at the the two quarterbacks you mentioned, Pony, like, yeah, the, the two teams they were with wanted to get rid of them uh, because they thought there were greener pastures on the horizon. Now, for the Rams, it worked out. They, they won the Super Bowl with Stafford in that first year. For the Browns, it looks like it could be a catastrophic failure. The, the thing is, though, about both of those guys you said – they had already shown, at least in that rookie year or that second year, that they had something in there. Like, they truly had a full body of work whenever you looked at their entire season. Like, Mayfield was great as a rookie. He set the rookie passing record for the time being uh, for touchdowns, 27 and only 14 picks. Now, regressed his second year, but then had a really good third year, 26 touchdowns to eight picks. Goff, that second year, very good. He went 11 and 4. He threw for 3800 yards. He had 28 touchdowns and 7 picks. He was really good in 2018 as well. They went to the Super Bowl. Like you could at least see with those guys like full full seasons where they were really solid quarterbacks. I would even say really good quarterbacks. We we aren't even close to that with Pickett whether it's because of his his own doing or due to injury. I'm just talking about the situation that they're setting, that they're presenting us with, which is ideally it sounds like if they had their druthers, it's Pickett and Rudolph back here next year. And we've already heard Deontay Johnson, you know, break from the family and endorse Rudolph. I just don't see do that. Think, do you think the situation is untenable because of the things you've listed or because you don't think Kenny can overcome. Like, I think what Donnie, can I just say yes. Okay. <laughs> well, like what Donnie is I, saying was similar to what I was saying. Both of the guys you mentioned are first overall picks, which I do think confers like sort of a different status. And they were first overall picks in drafts that had lots of quarterbacks taken. So I think there's a basic talent level. Like everybody knows that if Jared Goff stands tall in the pocket and gets protected, he can spin it. No one has ever denied that about him. He got thrown into that trade because Sean McVay, boy genius, yep. rightfully in the end, determined he couldn't win a Super Bowl without him. Baker, everybody knows the arm talent's off the charts still. Like if you can get his head screwed on straight, and it seems that the Bucks have allowed him to be him in his own words... He's going to be able to make throws for you. I, I we don't know I, if Kenny I, can do I, the basics just, of the position. I just brought those guys up because they needed a change of scenery in order for their 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 I careers under, to take off. I understand off why you brought them up. I'm saying I don't know. Like Donnie is right to say they had both shown something in their first port of call to suggest that there was something in there worth salvaging with a change of scenery. Okay, and, and so doesn't it make it even worse? Doesn't it exacerbate the problem where the situation that Tomlin is saying is like his best case scenario is one that is that has the backup quarterback like 
like press him, press him. Well, like leering over him, like motivating him right behind him. We've, we, I just watched two years ago how that dynamic played out. It didn't even last four games. It didn't take much for Tomlin to change his mind. The only difference is the starter in this particular situation is the guy who was the backup. And what's crucial about that is he's the guy they took in the first round. There's always going to be a different level of commitment to a first round Okay, but the backup is going to be presumably someone that they give a big raise to to come back here and got them them to the playoffs the previous previous season. That gets to my big takeaway. I had an epiphany last night. I thought about it. I thought about how people talked about how honest Mike was. How everybody's interpretation, though, was that even if he was being honest about a lot of things, you might have surmised that he was being honest about wanting competition. The real bottom line is he and everybody involved in the higher levels of that organization wants Kenny to win the job. So I had an epiphany. If you want Kenny Pickett to be your QB one and you want him to thrive, you can't bring Mason Rudolph back. He can't exist here next year. Because of what I'm pretty much describing. But, But specifically this. Yes, what you're describing. He becomes the most popular guy on the roster, I it's think. It's different if you bring in outside competition who might know. You, I, again, I'll, I'll point out you had an astute point. It's very possible that they bring in a, when they bring in a new OC, they bring in a quarterback that's familiar with that guy's system already mm-hmm. who can maybe, yes, push Kenny, but you know you don't have to give him a ton of reps because he already knows the system. Just let him get a little timing down. If it's that kind of guy, there's no emotional attachment, A, with Steelers players because he's new to the team, right? There's no real emotional attachment with Steelers fans because they might know him from having played for another team. If it's Mason Rudolph, though, fans and now some me- obviously some media, we know that. We've all had a well, Most about importantly, that. guys in the locker guys, room like Johnson. But by far, most importantly, the other 10 guys on yeah, that starting offense have rallied around him. So the epiphany for me is you can have competition for Kenny Pickett next year. You can. But if you truly in your heart of hearts want him to be QB1, you can in no way have that competition be Mason Rudolph. Because he is different from any other person you would bring in. He has already done the hard part in some ways. He's won over guys who were malcontents earlier in the season. How do you look your team in the face if he's the competition and if he does what Bali and others have said he's done during training camp coming up and looks like the best guy again? What happens, hypothetically, if you go to Latrobe, Kenny throws like it's practice. No one, you know, no one cares ultimately. But you know Mason's there on a new deal. And Kenny throws a pick at the first practice. And then you hear some fans going, Mason, Mason. That wouldn't happen if it was insert back career backup journeyman here, but it will happen if it's Mason. And that's why my epiphany is if they are being honest about wanting Kenny to be QB1, then Mason's not coming back. Fan Hotlines presented by Sullivan Super Service, Pittsburgh's trusted plumbing and HVAC provider for over 50 years. Final thoughts on what was a huge week for the Steelers, a playoff loss, Mike Tomlin, Addressed his future. Mike Tomlin talked about the offensive coordinator situation, the quarterback dilemma going forward, all those things. And we want you to have a chance to weigh in on that. 412-928-9370. One final coda to my big takeaway of the epiphany I had, Pony, where I said if they want Pickett to be QB1, and I think they do, they can't bring Rudolph back because he's won over the offense. You have to bring in other competition. It has way too much potential to get ugly within your own locker room to say nothing of your fans. The, the most interesting thing that could happen or the worst thing that maybe could happen to the Steelers then through the lens I'm viewing it is basically what happened with Roethlisberger after 2020. They thought he probably would balk at a pay cut and wouldn't come back and that would sort of handle things for them. They didn't want to go to him and just say, we want you gone. He came back. It set everything back maybe by a whole nother year. In this case, the most interesting thing would be what if the market for Rudolph doesn't materialize? He comes back to you, not hat in hand, 
but seriously interested in making a deal. They might not feel the same way I do about the situation, but I think if they did bring him back under those auspices, it would make it very dicey. Well, they got to make a decision. What's more important? What's best for the team or what's best for Kenny? I think they're going to say what's best for Kenny because they've got a lot invested in him. I do. Because I think what's best for Kenny is what they want to happen. They don't want to end up having to say, we burned a first-round pick. 412-928-9370 gets you in on the conversation. We promised you guys a chance to sound off. We're going to start with Steve. He's on the fan. Hello, Steve. Hi, how you guys doing? Hey, man. Hey, I was just curious. So if they're going to get rid of Rudolph and Trubisky, that means they're going to bring in two new quarterbacks? Yes. Compete with Kenny? Doesn't mean that both will. One could be a developmental guy who they just draft late, who they just draft late, like in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh exactly. round. Exactly. So if the same situation happened this year, Kenny stinks, Kenny gets hurt. Who do you plug in? Who do you have a chance to do anything with? Well, they're going to sign a veteran, or they're going to trade for a veteran quarterback if they don't keep Rudolph. And any ideas who that might be? I think it has. I think it'll have a lot to do with who they bring in as their offensive coordinator because it could be someone that has a familiarity with his offense and his playbook. But if you're trying to get like a, a basic person in mind as far as level of play that this person's capable of, I don't know. Pony said a good one yesterday. Taylor Heineke, somebody, somebody like, like that. Steve. Somebody like that. At least that's who I think. Someone along those lines. Uh, a career backup quarterback guy. Yeah. All right. You so we're in the same position we are this year. We have Mitch Trubisky and mason rudolph but we're going to replace him with two other people correct that's what i think is going to happen that's what i think is going to happen too so we're going to be in the same situation next well, yeah, year it sounds like time. it sounds like steve you're like you're with me and, and mostly ponies on this train too it sounds like you are completely out on picket which is why you sound so bummed about that i think there are other people who still believe a new coordinator can turn his career around and presumably they would want to see the road cleared for him so he could have a full I agree, 17 but games I, I also think that a new coordinator will also make Mason Rudolph better. I think I don't disagree with that. I think Mason Rudolph showed more in a system we all agreed was flawed. So, listen, if I were just being told, Steve, I had Kenny Pickett and I had Mason Rudolph, and I wanted to give the team, for nothing else considered here, the best chance to win next year, I'd actually take Rudolph. I don't know how you couldn't after having watched both guys this year, but that's not clearly how they're looking at it. But even if they did feel that way, what would your expectations be the St- be for the Steelers if Mason Rudolph is the guy who they anoint as their starting quarterback? Isn't it still, at best, nine or ten wins and probably another first-round exit in the playoffs? It, it's more likely that than not by far. I guess what I would the only hedge I would put on that is I've seen him play well enough that I would wonder, hey, like, like to me, he's golf. I've made this comp this week. You protect the guy, I do think he's going to go through his reads more often than not and make plays. The question is, can you protect him consistently? That's what the Lions have managed to do with Jared Goff. Mark is next. Hello, Mark. Hey, guys. How are you? Hey, man. Hey. I'm in the minority of people that think an offensive coordinator will do picket well. Along with, I heard a Didi on a podcast with Trey Essex uh, saying, you know, her inside look at the offense before Canada was let go and how awful he was coached. And that, and that's how I look at it. I look at the first 95% of the season as him doing exactly what Tomlin wanted. Not turn the ball over, short passes that are safe, rely on the defense and run the ball. And I think if they would have brought in someone like Biennemi from the get-go, 
we wouldn't have to have this conversation. We would know he was done or he was the guy. And that's the dilemma in my I, I don't disagree with that, but when Tomlin says that he wants – that Kenny's the starter but there's competition, if there's a legitimate quarterback behind him as the number two mark, I don't think that that's – I don't think it's going to – I don't think that that's a good situation for Kenny because – And not – go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I, I just think it, it creates a scenario again like with Trubisky where he thinks if he makes a mistake or two, he's going to lose his job. We've already seen how that works with both guys. I – I agree, and I think you're spot on, but I also think, like Tomlin's ego, Kenny has to be the guy, and he won't do that. He's willing to risk another year. So you and agree with Chris, then? You think, Rudolph, you think Rudolph's as good as gone, then? I think he's, I think someone's going to overpay for him, and I think Rudolph could easily be another Dobbs or Flacco. I, I don't mean but to would be. You I love want, the guy. Do you want Rudolph back? No. I, I Listen, this is one of the few times, Pony, I may agree with Chris over you. <laughs> Well, I'm not. I, by the way, for the record, I'm not disagreeing with Chris. I, 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 I think, I think Chris, I think Chris is onto something here. If they really want to give Kenny the full season and 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 a shot to be their quarterback, you create tension and you create possible division on your team by bringing Mason Rudolph back because of the way Rudolph played and because of what we already know about guys in that locker room. And not just there's the, a belief there in him. And it's not just the guys like Deontay where somebody says, well, that's a wide receiver talking when it's an offensive lineman or multiple offensive lineman or Jalen Warren, who like I, I think is is terminally honest. He doesn't have like that whole I'll give you what you want to hear, you know, what I need to say, but not what I actually think when it's pretty much everybody. That, that's different for me. It would create internal and external tension that I think would be, in their minds be counterproductive to Pickett playing his best ball, whatever that is. We're going over the uh, start of the Steelers offseason and putting a, a bow on the Steelers uh, 2023 season today. 412-928-9370 to get in on the conversation. We're also just sitting back here at Studio B watching Billy Madison on the E! Channel. <laughs> um, what a classic. I told you guys during the break, Veronica Vaughn, just a total gold digger. Just she go knows Billy has money. She goes after Billy. She's an educated woman. There's no way that she would like a man with right. a third grade level of, he's of reading and comprehension. He's an immature clown. He's a nitwit. She shows up at his at his uh, third grade uh, celebration uh, party with a bunch of pudding snacks for him as a snack packs as an olive branch. It's just. Imagine you, being the set designer. You build this big tent with all this imagine, stupid educated imagine stuff be, in imagine it. Imagine being Veronica Vaughn's parents. Imagine being Mr. and Mrs. Vaughn. I think about this now with Stella. Hey, honey, Is where she, are you going? Well, actually, I'm going to my idiot boyfriend's house. Yeah. what? I'm his teacher because he's a 27-year-old third grader. <laughs> I mean, think about that. What a concept. You think she's related to Rick the Wild thing, Vaughn? The school should have <laughs> The school should have fired her. Oh, yeah. This is, well... I know that it's not a creepy teach, scenario. I, I know teachers' the same unions age. are tough. They're the same age, though. He might be a third grader, but he's just—he's lazy. He's not like intellectually compromised here. He's just a lazy idiot. But she was so hot. She could have done so much better. Wasn't she Pete Sampras's wife for I a while? I think she still is, man. They're still married. I believe so. Br what is it, Bridget Wilson? I think right. Yeah, she's more famous than Sampras at this point, and I think probably always. I haven't seen her on a TV show or movie in like thirty years. And okay, frankly, but I don't care. But if you say she delivered the goods in this one, of course she did.
Do you think that in Sampras's Wimbledon winning heyday, when he was Mr. Serve and Volley, though, I think he was the more famous of the two. Sure, but I mean, what just an absolute flex. Oh, and here's, here's a line. Her. Carl, good to see you. Definitely C-blocked him here big time. Well, then he, she opens the outhouse door that he's got in there, and there's all those nudie pictures. I mean, what Don, a renaissance man Billy was. He's Don, got an Einstein poster. It looks like a, a bass trombone. Donnie's 10 years younger than Bass us. trombone. Does this still hit for you the way it does for us watching oh, back absolutely. Billy Madison? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I grew up on movies like this. That Veronica Vaughn <laughs> is one piece of ace. <laughs> I know from Me experience, dude. No, you don't. And her got it on. No, you didn't. Yeah, cin- cinematic masterpiece. It really is. All right, let's go back to the phones. Here is our number two fan. We haven't heard from him yet this week. Jeff in South Park. Hello, Jeff. Yeah, I've had issues getting through this week. Uh, I, this is something I wanted to bring up uh, earlier in the week, so I appreciate you doing the whole put a bow on this week thing that you're doing. Um, so this whole brainwashing uh of the Tomlin opinion with the national media, it has now extended into not just national media members. It's extended into fans of our rival teams. It's one thing for like a chargers or a Raiders fan to sit there and go, well, of course, Tomlin is a great coach. Cause I mean, they never get anything right. But you, as you guys know, I'm originally from Youngstown, Ohio. I have a lot of Northeast Ohio friends still. And, you know, if you hear them, a lot of them are Browns fans. You have a couple of them are, that are 49ers fans because they like to kiss DeBartolo's butt. Um, but uh, you hear a lot of them talk, and they fall under the same trap. I heard one of my friends say that the only reason why the Steelers, and this was the 49ers fan, by the way, uh, the only reason the Steelers ever make the playoffs is because Tomlin is, are you ready for this, the best coach in the division. And then I hear things thrown around like the Steelers feel like they are held together by duct tape at times by Browns fans. Like it isn't like these are these are fans of teams that are supposed to hate us, absolutely hate us. Like I said, it's one thing if a Chargers fan or a Raiders fan is going to say that, but we've got Browns fans now kissing Tomlin's fanny. I mean, the sickness runs deep. And to follow up on what my one friend said about the Steelers roster feeling like it's held together by duct tape. I mean, on one hand, I can see that by an outsider. I, to me, it felt like that towards the end of the Roethlisberger regime. But when we had the type of draft that we just had, and I, I think you guys would agree, it was a great draft. We got tons of contribution from all of the rookies. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't feel like a team is being held together by duct tape. I, 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 I know. I agree with you. I don't think, Jeff, I don't think that the Steelers have have um, one of the worst rosters in the league. I think minus the quarterback, you look at the 52 guys on the team. I think when healthy, they've got a top 10 or top 15 roster. Nico Collins the- is a beast, but would the Texans rather have him or have Pickens? No, they'd rather have Pickens, um, I think. Uh, and then to go back to what he said about the Tomlin apologist thing and it sweeping the nation. Mm-hmm. Orlovsky went on McAfee show yesterday and said the difference between Mike McCarthy and Mike Tomlin is that McCarthy underachieves with the players he has and Tomlin overachieves. Now, you always say back to that, Chris, well, that really um, ignores the point that Tomlin has a lot to do with the players he has. It's not like he's just handed this crap and he has to somehow make it work. We know that that's not true. Correct. The other part that I would just really want to argue is on what grounds has he overachieved? He had Ben Roethlisberger 
from 2011 to 2021, for most of those years, the guy was in his prime. He got him at 25 years old. He had him until he retired at 38. Maybe the last two years or three years, he wasn't great. Up until then, up until that point, he was an outstanding quarterback. So he had him at his best for seven or eight years. They won three playoff games in that time period. How is that overachieving? I think if you... So it's, you un, it's the same thing McCarthy's done. It's underachieving. Well, I think you know why I think it gets tied directly to McCarthy, and this isn't fair. I, it's a little more fair, I guess, but not much. McCarthy calls the the shots there offensively, and that's the side of the ball where I think I, I think people think Dallas is loaded all over, but because McCarthy directly calls the offensive shots and people care about quarterbacks, I think he gets more flack. But the Steelers' defense never once in that same time period, and I used to try to defend Mike for this because I would deflect things under Roethlisberger, but if we're just looking at roster strength, 